Good morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity to just come up here and speak to you all this morning. Our scripture that we'll be diving into this morning is Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse 5 and 6. And you can turn there. We're going to be diving into that this morning. If you know me, or if you don't, now you will. Uh, you know that I am from the wonderful state of Arkansas. And if you've gotten to know me even just a little bit, you know how much I love my home state, especially when I compare it to the wonderful state that we are in right now, the, that I've had the privilege to live in for the past few months. Arkansas, it, it's not that bad of a place, I'll admit. I give it a lot of hard, but it's not that bad. We have trees, uh, lots of trees, a couple of cool lakes, you know, they're pretty. But the one claim to authority that we have is we have Glenn Campbell and Johnny Cash. Amen? Thank you. Trees, lakes, and Glenn Campbell and Johnny Cash. Love Arkansas. And a few years ago, I was about 10 or 11, I think. It was a Memorial Day weekend uh, before I learned that the beach is superior to the lake in every single way. Not up for debate. Before my family took trips to the beach, we used to go to the lake for Memorial Days, Labor Days, a couple times during the summer. And this one particular, I believe it was a Memorial Day, um, we were out on the lake uh, on the boat, and I didn't do the skiing or the kneeboarding, wakeboarding, whatever else you do on the lake. That wasn't cool enough for me. For me, the coolest thing you could do on the lake is ride the inner tube. So that's what we were doing on this particular weekend. And as I was riding the inner tube, I learned that if I go over the wave that the boat makes and I pull up just a little bit, I'll kind of rise and do a cool little bounce thing. So I thought, okay, this is fun. I'm going to do this again. And so my dad is pulling me. He's going about 10,000 miles an hour because the goal is to throw me off. And my goal is to hang on because, you know, I'm not going to lose. So he's pulling me about 10,000 miles an hour and I hit the wave and I'm like, all right, this is it. So I pull back with all of the muscles that I had back then, which wasn't much. Keep in mind, I wasn't this tall guy I am now. I was about yay tall. <laughs> I was about this big around and probably weighed about 20 pounds soaking wet. So when I pulled up with all my muscles, I took off. Like an airplane taking off. I got five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet plus in the air probably. I was as high as that rope would allow me to go. And I didn't come back down. I stayed up there. So I was flying this inner tube. This was the peak of my life at this point. Because I'm pretty sure not many people can say that they have flown an inner tube, right? But it gets better. As I'm flying this inner tube in the air, I start to turn. And not turn like this. I mean turn. I start to flip this inner tube over. And I get to about 90 degrees. I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. But I don't stop there. I keep going. And I end up completely upside down in this inner tube. And I don't let go because, once again, I don't lose. I'm not about to let dad win and throw me off this inner tube. So I hold on. And I distinctly remember hearing my mom and whoever else was in the boat yelling, let go. You know, you're upside down 15 feet in the air. Let go. And I was like, no. One... That's like really high off the water. That's going to hurt. Two, once again, I don't lose. Three, no, I got this. I thought I could turn this inner tube back over and land it like you would any other inner tube, right? 
I thought that I had it. I did it. I start to descend, so I got that part right, but I forgot the part where you flip it over. So the inner tube lands on the water upside down with me still holding on. So I am completely underwater being drugged behind the boat under this inner tube, and I still don't let go. Because for some reason, I still thought I could somehow flip this thing back over. Completely submerged underwater, water just smashing my face, it hurt. And so after about 300 more feet, I finally decided, okay, I'm gonna lose, and I let go. I dismissed the wisdom coming from my family in the boat telling me to let go, because I thought I could fix this. I thought I could turn the inner tube over and land it like a normal inner tube. I didn't. Like I said, our scripture this morning is Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now, we'll hang out here for a little bit. This is one of those verses. There's a lot of verses out there, um, we can all agree, that we can recite from memory. Like the back of our hand, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, right? And this verse is no different. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is a verse that we can quote like the back of our hand. That's one of those verses that we can post on Facebook or post on our Instagram stories, anywhere on our social media. Because we know this verse, right? But my prayer for today is that when we walk out of those doors, not only will we be able to recite this verse like we already probably can, but my prayer is that we can walk out of those doors with the ability to live this verse out and live it boldly. Because there is a lot of wisdom in this verse. We have a promise right here. He will make your paths straight. That's a very important promise. But there's also misconceptions that can come from this verse or any other verses that talk about God providing for us or God leading the way for us. Uh, we read verses like this and we tend to think when he says he's making our paths straight, he's going to make them easy. He's going to take away all of the hardships in our lives. And then we go throughout life with that attitude, with that belief, that misconception, and then we see all the bad in this world. And we begin to, to ask ourselves, if God is so good, if he's supposed to provide for us, if he's supposed to make our paths straight, why do bad things happen? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Why do children die every single day? Why is cancer a thing? Why is COVID-19 a thing? And we go through life, we see all of the bad with this mentality that God's supposed to take it all away right here and now, and it puts doubts in our minds. We say, if all this bad stuff is happening, then maybe God's not real. Because we read verses like this, and we get it confused you see, straight path does not mean an easy path. Just because your path is straight doesn't mean there's not going to be a limb that falls in the way. Or it doesn't mean that there's, going to be, there's not going to be a crack in the sidewalk along the way. God doesn't promise us an end to the bad right here and now. He promises us ways through the bad. Because yes, there is pain and suffering in this world, and there will be. But God doesn't promise us an end to the suffering now. He promises us ways through Psalm 23, another well-known verse, it doesn't say you follow God and now I walk through a valley of flowers. 
it says, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, O Lord, are with me. James, in the opening of his letter, chapter 1, 2 through 4, he, sa- he doesn't say, oh, you follow Jesus, congratulations, you're never going to struggle again. He says, you're going to struggle, don't be surprised, it's, the world's still bad. He takes it a step further and he says, and when you do struggle, count it joy. What? How do we get there? How do we get to a place where we can count it joy? I think it's important to understand the promises that we're given. The promises of a straight path, the promise that he will carry us through that straight path, through the obstacles, and the promise of an eternity with him. We are promised an eternity with the creator of the universe. And because we know the eternity, the more we understand the eternity that we're promised, we'll be able to get through the temporary battle on this earth. We will be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because we know at the end of that valley there is an eternity of light, an eternity in communion with the creator of the universe. We can get through the temporary because we know the eternity. So it's important to know the promises that we're given. It's important to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not in ourselves. I think it's important to to just realize who wrote this proverb, who gave us this piece of wisdom. It was King Solomon, King David's son, King of Israel. God comes to him and he says, you can ask for anything and I will give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. And he was made the wisest man to ever walk the earth. The wisest man to ever walk the earth said, don't trust what's up here. The wisest man The wisest human to ever walk the earth says human wisdom is futile. Don't trust it. Trust in the Lord. Because Solomon knew that God is wisdom. Not that God is wise. He knew that God is wisdom. And he knows that all wisdom comes from God. And he knows that if we trust only in ourselves and our own strength and not in God, we will fail every time. And he knows that God is a God who keeps his promises. So he says, lean not on your own understanding, but lean in God. So we have to build our trust. And how do we do that? One way is through prayer. We can come to the creator of the universe at any point of any day, no matter where we're at. We can show up, hey, God, I got something to tell you today. And he listens That's the beauty of it. We can come to God at any point and he listens to us. Prayer is so important. It brings us into perpetual communion with the Father. Our lives should be filled with prayer because the more time we spend in prayer, the more in communion with God we become. And another way is the word. The word of God is alive and active, amen? It is spoken to every generation that has come before us. It's spoken to our generation now and continues to do so. And it will continue to speak to every generation that comes after us until the end of days. Spend time in the word. Read about how God shepherded Israel through their rebellion. Every time they rebelled, he was right there 
waiting for them, providing for them, even though they didn't care about it. Read about all the promises made and all the promises fulfilled. In his earthly ministry alone, Jesus fulfilled 351 prophecies. 351 promises were fulfilled right then and there through his earthly ministry. Shout out to Zach and Mark Villanueva for teaching us that information at camp. It's very important information. It's important to know that God is a God who keeps his promises. And the more time we spend reading about these promises being fulfilled, the more we understand that he keeps his promises, the better able we'll be able to live our lives with boldness because we know the promises that he made to us, the promises of a straight path, getting us through those obstacles, the promise of eternity, we know they're gonna come true. So we can live our lives with boldness. The more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in the word, the closer to God we will become. The closer to Jesus we will become. The one who submitted first. See, Jesus' path was straight. He knew what he had to do, and it wasn't easy. We all know his path was so hard. But he gave us an example of what it looks like to fully submit, to fully trust in God. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was faced with a choice. He can hang on to the inner tube. He can dismiss the wisdom and hang on to his own understanding, or he can let go of the inner tube, take the 15-foot plunge, and trust in the Lord, and grab on to the Lord and his promises. And because Jesus submitted, because he let go of his own understanding, because he let go of that inner tube, sin and death was defeated. Because Jesus submitted, the relationship that we have with God was made available to us. The spirit was given to us. Imagine what God can do through us if we submitted to him. If we put 100% of our trust in him. Imagine the impact. But we can't dismiss the wisdom that comes from the boat. We can't hold on to the inner two. We have to put our trust in the Father. We have to let go of the inner two and grab on to Jesus, the one who first submitted, the one who read this wisdom, who knew this wisdom, and followed it. We can't hold on to our own understanding. Instead of holding on and saying, I got this, we have to acknowledge that we don't got this. And like Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but thine. So as we go throughout this week, as you find yourself in the garden, as you find yourself faced with a choice, do I hold on to the inner tube? Do I hold on to my own understanding? Do I continue to think that I got this? Or do I let go and grab onto Jesus? Do I listen to the wisdom or do I dismiss the wisdom? My prayer is that when you find yourself in the garden that you will spend time in prayer, that you will spend time in the word, and that you will let go of the inner tube and that you will grab onto Jesus. Yeah, that fall is gonna hurt. That's where the promises come in. Remember the promises that he will make our path straight. Remember the promise of eternity. Because the more we know 
the promise of eternity, the more equipped we'll be to get through the temporary. So my prayer this week is that when we find ourselves in the garden, don't hold on to the inner two. Let go and grab on to Jesus. This is a wonderful church filled with men who would love to talk with you, to pray with you. And so this morning, there will be people in the front who would love to do just that. And if we can help you with any spiritual need at all, we ask that you come now as together we stand and sing.